Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And we are bringing you another episode jam-packed with royal news this week. Follow us on Instagram for more royal news at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, email us with all your thoughts, info at gallerypodcasts.com. We love hearing from our listeners. Rachel, what is up? What are we talking about? We have so much. Prince George is turning 10. I feel like that's the headline of this Double week. digits. I'm really in denial about it, too. I just vividly <laughs> remember him on the Linda Wing steps. And I'm just like, it's just the passing of time. Anyways, we're joined by Monique Jessen, who is a correspondent for People. She gives us the scoop on the little prince and this big birthday. We're also digging into Wimbledon. What a match Roberta and I were texting throughout. And the Waleses. We had so many kids sightings this weekend, which was really fun. We have Princess Beatrice's wedding anniversary. Happy birthday to Queen Camilla, Megan at the Montecito Farmer's Market. We have a lot to say about that and so much more. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. But before we get into all that, we have a really refreshing royal refreshment this week. Cheers, Rachel, to this. I did whip this up. It's the Tinto de Verano. This drink recipe went viral on the New York Times recently. It's the Spanish drink of summer. There's like 23,000 likes, I think. I'm going to click the link right now just to watch the video again. But it's basically you just put a little bit of Sprite in red wine. I bought a can of Diet Sprite and it's delicious. I think all New York Times food and drink content is fantastic. I have to say, I that's my go-to for cooking is their New York Times app. And I think this is what I will do with the like leftover like quarter bottle of wine that sometimes just gets left in the fridge that you don't know what to do with. It's kind of like a sangria, a poor man's sangria, I want to say, poor woman's, I should say. But it does get me excited because it's Spanish. It feels very, the comments were like, oh, this is what Italian children drink in the summer, which I thought was funny because it <laughs> definitely has red wine. But it reminded me of my upcoming Portugal trip. So if any listeners have recommendations for me. I know. Wait, tell talk about that. That is so exciting, Roberta. Well, I have not even really started planning yet, but I am heading there for Labor Day weekend. It's my first time ever in Portugal. So it's Lisbon. So please send me all of your recommendations I mean, for Lisbon if anyone's It's been. beautiful. I went there for my honeymoon to Lisbon and to... Wait, what? I didn't know that. Yes, and to Douro Valley and also... Oh Wait, my gosh. Rachel, send yes. me a free recommendation. It is the most wonderful place the, from the East Coast. It's such a quick flight. And I don't know why I have not been back because I said when I went there, I was like, I'll be back every year. It is stunning. What is a one can't miss thing? Like, what can I not? I mean, in Lisbon, I feel like it's just walking around and taking in all the colorful tiles for me. Like, I just feel like it's the kind of place where you want to just like twirl in the piazza. Do you call them piazzas in Portugal? But it's like you kind of just want to want to go and be like Julie Anders in the sound of music. It's just so beautiful. I it's need so to beautiful. eat those egg pastries every single morning. Yes, I forget what they're yes. called, but I want I want like a million of them. Oh they my gosh, so Roberta, good. you need to text me personally every pic that you take. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but summer is flying by. I feel like that's the main message. What of do you, the- you have some trips coming up though? What do you have coming up? I've already said it's mostly Maine, which I love and I'm excited for, but I feel like, you know, just kind of gearing up. We are going up to upstate New York for a weekend oh, coming so up, fun. which will be nice. 
thinking about all those things. But I, I just want to make the most of every minute. I'm sure our listeners and you as well are trying to do that because Labor Day, you just mentioned Labor Day, Roberta. It's like six weeks away and it's going to fly by. It's just absolutely mind blowing. But let's Ugh. get into our listener. Yes, note. we got a wonderful listener email from Genevieve. She actually wrote us recently about a trip to Santa Barbara that she had taken and she had to update us on additional royal related travels. I love it. That should be the theme of every trip. She, in this case, she had a visit to Los Angeles where she stayed just down the street from Immaculate Heart High School. She sent us photos and a description of Megan's alma mater. This is a quote. The building is beautiful, classic L.A. style, too, and is surrounded by Bougainvillea, which I didn't know about that. In addition to having great school grounds, the location is down the street from the American Film Institute and Griffith Park. She does note how Megan mentioned her high school on her Archetypes podcast a few times and how fun it was to, quote, realize I was staying so close to somewhere that was seemingly so formative for her. She adds, I always love this, if anyone would appreciate this experience, I thought it might be you too. I just think that that's the point of this community is if you are having a royal thought, email us because we definitely want to hear about it. Send us a DM. Yes. <laughs> she also stayed yes. at the Kara Hotel, and I'm mentioning that because if you click that link, Roberta, it is breathtaking. So if anyone is planning a trip and wants to be near Immaculate <gasps> Heart or just wants to live their best life in Los Angeles, this hotel looks stunning. In Los Feliz. Oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. It's really, really stunning and nice and looks like it has a good spa. <laughs> I could see the Sussexes loving this spot. It's gorgeous. I should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Maine, but Emily DM'd me to say that she's been listening to Royally Obsessed since the two of us took over, and she said it's truly a bright spot in her week. She also mentioned that she Aww. lives in Falmouth, Maine, and her she had a pitch that our next Roro meetup happens there. Oh, I feel I like, like more than anything, even if it can't be Maine right away, I think this is a good like lighting a fire to think about the next Roro meetup because we've had so many fun ones in the last year, and it just I wanted to mention it here. I wonder if, you know, if we don't go to Singapore, which I <laughs> hope that we get to. <laughs> well, I wonder if we should all watch the Earthshot yes. Awards or something together. That's such a great idea. I love that. Is Falmouth close to you, Rachel? Where you Actually, go? it is the site of the wedding I'm attending. Oh. So I feel like she's going to send me some recommendations. I'm really you excited. Guys I love that other. there's a royal that's community awesome. in Maine. Yes. Oh, that's so nice. And now, this week in royal history. All right, should yes, we get into royal, royal history. history this week? It's a big week in royal history. This week, Princess Beatrice, Andrew and Fergie's eldest daughter, married husband Edo Mapelli Mozzi. Flashback to the summer of 2020. It was July 17th. There was so much uncertainty. The original wedding date for Beatrice and Edo had been pushed. It was May 29th. They scaled it back significantly. There was a cap on the number of people allowed at events. I know you remember that, Rachel. 20 guests at the Royal Chapel of All Saints at Royal Lodge Windsor. Of course, Prince Andrew, who had the disastrous car crash of an interview with Newsnight. That was in November of 2019. So it just happened, I believe, or October. He's in zero pictures from the wedding that were released. His fall from grace was definitely still in the headlines and official. He had stepped back from royal duties. He did walk her down the aisle, though, per reports. The reception, I love this behind the scenes look because I don't think we knew this at the time, but the reception afterwards, those 20 people 
were in a giant tent filled with sofas, a jukebox, draft beer on tap, a dartboard. It was made to look like a very English pub, which I think sounds so fun. Yes, I love that. Alley, actually, I'm taking notes for this yes, for Pinterest board wedding inspo. B and Edo spent their wedding night in a glamping pod on the grounds of Royal Lodge at Windsor. Very interesting choice. I don't think I would do that, actually. <laughs> I take back what I just said. I mean, but you think about the timing. You know, it's like 2020. I remember when these pics hit social media, I guess it was, of their wedding and what a bright spot it was for you and I. It really and, was. And also, I somehow, I sometimes feel like this is my favorite royal wedding. I just, that dress, everything. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that, you know, the queen being there, I read that this was the first royal wedding not publicized or, you know, that the news media couldn't cover in 235 so years. Special. Yeah. So this was a really private, special wedding. The florals were just so over the top. It was, the trend was micro weddings and they totally nailed it. Princess Beatrice, of course, like you mentioned, wore the Queen's Norman Hartnell dress that she had worn to the 1960s premiere of Lawrence of Arabia. She also wore the Queen's wedding day tiara, which was super special. I love that she added those sheer puff sleeves to the dress, too. And the Queen, I mean, she was in her 90s. Prince Philip there as well, just beaming. Prince Philip standing so straight, too. You know, I just feel like it was real. Those images were so Instagram perfect <laughs> and like a fairy tale. And talk about, I mean, the Queen's sense of duty, which we know was so pervasive. But later that day, she actually knighted Captain Sir Tom for his efforts with the NHS and raising money. She was just right back to work, but it was reported that after the investiture of Sir Tom, the Queen told him, my granddaughter just got married this morning. Both Philip and I managed to get there, and it was very nice. Such a proud granny moment. I love that And her and B had a special relationship, too. Very special, it seems, with all the borrowing of the fashion as well. I like that Edo is so sappy on Instagram. He posted for their third wedding anniversary with three gorgeous photos, one of Princess Beatrice from Ascot and two of the wedding florals, which still take my breath away to this day. The color palette of the moody florals is just Emo Edo is my favorite. We've talked about that before. He's just so, you know, verbose on Instagram and it's very charming. What was his caption? (laughs) Wait, let me read it. So sweet. Happy wedding anniversary to the most beautiful wife in the world. I'm so grateful for every moment we've shared, every challenge we've overcome, every dream we've pursued together. I love you more than words can say. He is. He's so sweet and so good with words. Such a romantic, I should say. Partners of Roro should take note. That's really (laughs) emulate Edo. Yes, for real. Dave, are you listening? Happy third anniversary to be in Edo. We should raise a glass of our Tinto de Verano. Cheers, Rachel. The anniversary gifts. Traditional is leather. Modern is glass. I feel like glass feels very Edo and leather. Is yes. Kind of Beatrice. Maybe she'll get a new designer handbag. Who knows? <laughs> I know. I just feel like in general, I wanted to have an aside about Bee's style lately. I mean, they popped up in, maybe in honor of their anniversary on Friday at Wimbledon, and she had that beautiful pale pink Amelia Wickstead dress. I just... She has been crushing it in the style oh, yeah. department lately. I feel like we've seen a lot of her, not much of Eugenie, of course, but I feel like it's just been really just immaculate. 
I do want to call out two other very special dates that happen to take place on this exact same day. So July 17th, 1917, the House of Windsor was established by royal proclamation. And on July 17th, 1947, Queen Camilla was born. It's her 76th birthday this week. There's a picture from Chris Jackson. Do you want to click on this, Rachel? I don't know if it's new, but it looks new to me. I haven't seen it before. It's gorgeous. She's standing in front of some orange trees. Wow. Really lovely picture of her. Of course, George, her hair too is very, whatever she does to style it, it always looks so light and I can, it looks like she has fine hair. I have fine hair. Yeah, it's beautiful. The blowout. Of course, George also turns 10 this Saturday. More on that later in the episode. Okay, Wimbledon, let's talk about it, Roberta. I love texting with you in real time. It was a riveting match, royal fan or not, between Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. It was over five hours. Crazy. Absolute five sets. I got this great listener DM from uh, Roro, who's a mom, just being like, how the heck did the kids stay composed and where were the snacks? Because they obviously needed a lot of snacks to get through that. And I don't think we saw any of the kids eating there were no photos of that at least or did we i noticed they were out of their seats a lot though okay. like the camera would kind of pan past the row box and all four of them wouldn't be there so i was thinking maybe it's a snack break. yes or hopefully like a drink break for kate and william to have like a little bit of champagne a pim's cup yeah yeah so the big news of wimbledon for royal watchers was that kate and william attended with George and Charlotte. This was not George's first appearance at Wimbledon. He joined Kate last year when he was just eight, but it was Charlotte's. She's also eight. So it feels like eight is the age. I know Louis was super bummed to miss out, according to Kate, but maybe he has to wait a few more years. I feel like that would be a long endurance test for Louis to sit courtside in that capacity. Oh my gosh, the faces, though. Can you imagine? I, I mean, George and Charlotte provided all the ammo for the, like, the royal faces of the kids are just incredible. Well, Wimbledon in general, it's just like every person watching royal or celeb or anything, the reaction shots are amazing. The fashion, Roberta. George was in a suit, which got some blowback. We can talk about that in a second. Charlotte, for me, it was the sunglasses. I think people comment, he wore a similar attire last year, but for George, it just seems so, so formal. But I checked the weather. That was my thing when I was watching. It was a little chilly. It was 65. It was not the heat wave that Europe is experiencing. And there is protocol in the royal box that a jacket and tie is worn by men. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, it also might be his preference, too. I mean, George yeah, may we enjoy don't know. that. You know, some know. kids like dressing up as well. But Charlotte was less formal, I will say. I thought that the protocol was that no kids are allowed in the royal yes. box, which I found very interesting. Did you read it? I guess that? royal kids are allowed. But there was a situation That's years it, ago, I think it was like 1999 or something, where a royal child was allowed, but they wanted to bring a friend, but the friend could not attend. Mm. <laughs> it can only be permission because they don't want to give up those coveted seats to kids. And other royalty at Wimbledon, I kept looking in the crowd for King Felipe because that was a huge deal, I felt like. Yes, that was really cool. And I liked Carlos's nod to him at the end of the game when he won, that it was very meaningful because I think King Felipe was there when he won a, another another time. title. And so he was like, maybe the, you're the good luck charm. Yeah. I think in general, though, for me, Roberta, watching, and I wanted to get your take on this, was just in particular this photo, if you click that link in the doc there, of George and Charlotte with the Sunnies. It's more formal. They're clearly Mm. engrossed in the game. It's just this snapshot of what the future generation is. And you can picture this side by side almost 10 years from now where you see the two of them grown up, you know, in their late teens, kind of just 
at Wimbledon and going through it again. They're just set to be style plates, too, for sure. It makes me think, too, of what patronages they'll eventually take on, because I think the joy that the kids had watching this, especially Charlotte in that last shot when Carlos wins and her full on scream and hands in the air, I just fists, you know, pumping. I feel like she could be Wimbledon's all England patron one day. That. So it's really when we're grannies, Roberta, to... we'll get to be like, we called it. <laughs> be like hello welcome to the royal hopefully we'll be courtside when we're grannies together (laughs) (laughs) i also just feel like we can talk about kate's different outfits she ended up three in total we saw the roland murray the self-portrait for the women's singles and then we had the balmain blazer last week what was your favorite wimbledon look of kate's self-portrait hands down and this is not the popular take at least i feel like our social media team has said that the polls indicate the polls are that in. the dark green Roland Murray dress is a fan favorite far and away. I, I thought that the wrinkles really detracted from it for me. I don't know. What do you think? It just was not conducive to sitting all all five hours. Yeah, I think mine was still the first look, the Balmain and that white skirt. I, I just yeah. think Kate looks so wonderful in that mint green, and I really liked that. But yeah, I would agree. I think that the... Roland Murray was probably my least favorite. Same. Yeah. Same. I'm glad that we're on the same page. A lot of people really, really liked it, though. I feel like it's very classic Kate. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense to me. Just one other detail I wanted to mention was James Bond, Daniel Craig, and Rachel Weiss in the Royal Box. I love them. <laughs> and it also, <laughs> Rachel Weiss is probably my favorite actress, but I always think of our journey to see the favorite together when we were front row in a special screening. Do you remember that? Yeah. Aren't they your neighbors? <laughs> they are my neighbors. Rachel? Yes. <laughs> Yes, they live down the street. You know, we hang out all the time. No, just kidding. (laughs) Do you see them ever? I think there was a sighting on Halloween, but incognito. They were fully in costume. But one of our colleagues, by the way, did go. She was doing a grocery run and walked right past Daniel Craig, who was out for a run. (laughs) I think she as she told it, Kath, she said that she had to just turn around and go home. She was so like (laughs) flustered. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I just walked by James Bond. They seem so kind. Like he like. I think in one of the pictures, he like Daniel Craig reaches out and holds uh, Kate's hand with both of his hands, and like Rachel does the same. Like they just and they're both like wearing suits that are so perfectly tailored. so chic. I just, oh my gosh! I yeah, was, yeah. I mean, all of the celebrity settings. Ariana Grande, who I did not recognize, with I blonde didn't either. hair. Yes. Yeah. Just there's a lot of. I think she just split up from her husband too, or something, and she was with. Is his name James Garfield? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So he was there. I don't know, but Wait, is it James Garfield? Why do I want to say it's like Sam Garfield? It's not. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is James Garfield a president? Yes. Yes. Maybe. I think that was funny. All right. Well, I just also wanted to say we saw the kids so much this weekend, which was such a gift ahead of George's birthday. They popped up at the Royal International Air Tattoo at RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire, England on Friday. This is something, an event that takes place every July. 200,000 people go. It kind of sparks an interest in aviation for children. And this was meant to be a school vacation treat for the kids. You know, you think back, George visited this location, this exact location in 2016. He was only two and a half. So he has had a longtime love of what is also a passion for his dad. I think the highlights for me were, or the main highlight was just all three kids. And of course, Louis, who we mentioned was bummed to miss Wimbledon, but he got to be there in his, you know, wonderfully charming self on Friday. 
And one of the main headlines, too, I saw was that George will not have to participate in the military if he so chooses, which I thought was really interesting that, interesting. that his didn't see that. parents are making that decision. This was like a wide ranging profile, but his interests include like uh, electric guitar, ACDC and Jimi Hendrix. So very interesting. That is fascinating. Can't wait to see what picture they release for his 10th birthday this weekend. I know. I actually think back when he was at RAF Fairford in 2016, I didn't realize the location in that minute detail back then, but he influenced me to buy those headphones for Finn. Remember those little blue headphones that he wore? Oh, and we did that for, for Finn for sound. loud, noisy places when oh. he was little. Yeah, they worked. They were great. Well, speaking of Prince George's upcoming birthday, we had a lovely chat with People Magazine's Monique Jessen. Here's our conversation. Roros, we're thrilled to welcome Monique Jessen to the podcast. She's a royal correspondent for People and had a huge hand in this week's cover story about a certain royal prince who turns double digits this week. She's based in the UK, which means she also has a front row seat to all the royal things, for example, Royal Ascot, but also the recent coronation display, which is now open at Buckingham Palace. Monique, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. We definitely need to talk about Prince George, obviously, but how was that coronation exhibit? Oh, do you know what? It was so gorgeous to see up close. I mean, it was kind of tiny. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's probably one of the smallest exhibitions, but I feel like it made up for it seeing that beautiful Bruce Oldfield gown. And I was really impressed with the robe. The, the details on Camilla's robe especially are just stunning. The embroidery, right? The, of the names I saw, some close-up shots, it looked absolutely stunning. Yeah, so the dress is, that has the names of her grandchildren and her two rescue dogs. But the robe in particular is really, really the detail on it in person because for the first time ever, there are bugs and insects and dandelions and these oh, wow. real kind of beautiful wild flowers that are threaded in gold and this silk velvet. And it's just, it's stunning to see. And there's even like the dandelion seeds are like, flying across the, the robe. I mean, it's quite special to see in real life. I would highly recommend it. That sounds gorgeous. Well, we want to talk about Prince George, of course, turning 10 on Saturday. How would you describe the future heir to the throne? What are his interests? Any standout traits? Well, I think it's funny because I think all these big events that we've had recently, like the coronation, like the funeral of the late queen, and these kind of charity events that Kate has been taking them to as well, like the Scouts event recently, we're really getting a, a fuller picture of what George is like as um, a young boy. So I think they've been very, very careful as he's grown up. You know, he, he might have been on his first royal tour aged nine months. But, we, you know, we've gone quite long periods of time where we haven't really seen him in, in terms of like interacting with family and going out on raw jobs. Obviously, he can't do that um, until a certain age. I think they've been very protective of him. So it's quite nice recently that we have seen him out and about, and we have seen him interacting with other people, you know, not just members of the royal family, you know, real life people. And there was that sweet little moment where he was like checking his hair in the car mirror at the Scouts event recently. I didn't see really that. Sweet. Wait, what happened? Oh, he was yes, checking his he hair? Was yeah, he was just like, they'd finished the event and the kids were getting back into the car. And he was just kind of like, you know, as a young tween does, he was just like looking at himself in the mirror and kind of stroking his hair, like just checking he looked cool, which of course he did. But I think it's just really sweet to see those real life moments because I think we can, when we see him on the balcony and we see him, you know, as a, a baby in these beautiful 
designer, Kristen, it's, it's very, it almost seems like he's a picture or he's a page in a magazine. But when we see him growing up like we are now, I think we're getting a, a real sense of his personality, which is um, lovely to see. And any scoop on how he'll celebrate this big birthday? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they go away because all the kids, George, Charlotte and Louis, have all broken up for the summer. So they tend to go away in the UK around this time and quite often for his birthday. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same this year. They love the Isles of Scilly. It's really beautiful off um, sort of Cornwall Way. It's, there's lots of duchy land there. They can have lots of private walks and trips on his bike playing soccer, football, you know, like all the things that he loves and they can do it very much in private. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're there. So yeah, I I would put my money on that. But yeah, I think it'll just be a very kind of low-key family event. Yeah, maybe some new pictures too, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to get a new picture. Well, we were thinking back a lot about this because thinking back to where, you know, when William was 10, his life was quite different. It was 1992. His parents were about to separate. He was two years into Ludgrove. I found a couple stories that he also had a, a very private summer in Montana. All this was going on. It's How do you feel George's royal life contrasts to that of his dad? I think the main thing is the influence of the Middletons, to be honest, because he didn't have that you know he very much was from a broken home there's a lot of trauma there you know arguing at home with his parents and you know a lot of time spent with nannies a lot of time not in that kind of real stable home environment that I think Kate in particular and William because he didn't have it but Kate because she did have it wants to really emulate for him so you know there's lots of times when Carol just takes the kids and, you know, one-on-one spends time with them very, very much, as is Michael, very embedded in the family life. And he didn't have that growing up. And I think that's why he also has such a special relationship with his in-laws, because, um, you know, it's just, it's it's very real. You know, they, they like going to the countryside, to Bucklebury, where they live. And I live not far from there. And, you know, there's mm. I've often seen them. Lots of my friends have seen them. They just, they go out, they have fun. And sort of farm visits and park visits and it's just a very you know as as normal as an upbringing is going to be for George Mm -hmm. and that's what they're giving him and I think that's really the big difference between his um his sort of life up until this point these 10 years and and Williams I think it's been yeah quite a contrast Yeah, I liked some of the details in the cover story from people just about how the Queen gave Kate and William also special permission to maintain that privacy and family life and really set that foundation for, you know, as they added children, because now they have three, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's really important as well, that she did give them that green light to say, go off for a few years, enjoy it, build that solid, secure home life first, because actually that's going to, you know, come to good use for the family and for everyone if we can really kind of you know embed that sense of family as early as possible because it's it's so important he is the future king but he also is just 10 you know it's yeah. uh, it, the finding that balance i think is is really tricky and i think they've done it amazingly yeah and hopefully it's a long game to the you know to the throne because i think that was always the queen's story was so unique in that sense yeah yeah, yeah exactly so yeah, he's, he's going to be king one day, but I don't think it's going to be for a while yet. He can enjoy a little bit more relaxed in life. 
Well, they seem to be preparing him quite well. They It seems like the kids, the Wales's kids, George and Charlotte at least, are more and more present at a lot of these surprise appearances. We had Wimbledon, of course, the air show recently. Do you think, Monique, that this is par for the course? Or is this sort of a necessity to make the royal family a bit splashier without Harry and Meghan and this slimmed down monarchy? I think it's both because I think that he has to learn the ropes, right? He has to learn what it means to be a member of the royal family. And there is going to be more pressure on him to do more. And, you know, seeing him at Wimbledon the other day, you saw the joy on his face. Like he, that was not a work thing necessarily for him um but it was a um official engagement because of her role as as patron of Wimbledon so you know again it's striking that fine balance but I think yeah there was a lot riding on them as a family and from what I hear you know Charles and Camilla obviously they're at a much later stage in their life and of course they know it their courtiers know it Kate and William know it and from what I've heard from sources they are very much preparing Kate and William for their role so they're like laying the foundations now um, for how the next generation is going to work. And I think that Kate and William will do that for their children as well. And that is the progression of the royal family. And hopefully it will, you know, be a positive one because it's it's kind of a, a rocky patch right now with Andrew and Meghan and Harry. And there's just far less royals to do all of the engagements. So I think that's another reason why we will see the kids a little bit more because they're gorgeous kids. I mean, they, you know, they make beautiful pictures and um, it's a lovely, positive kind of story when um, when they're involved. So speaking of pictures, you just mentioned this, but the Wimbledon reaction of George and Charlotte when Carlos Alcaraz won that, that shot so of them just like... That? Hands up in the air, mouths open, screaming at the top of our lungs. They're amazing. I want them at more sporting events. So cute. And I just love seeing that little interaction between them as siblings as well, you know, because they are very different. But seeing them kind of engage and Charlotte with her cool little sunglasses on and George looking so, you know, smart and dapper in his suit. But they just were behaving like ordinary kids who are really into sport which of course we know they are because that's you know that comes from their parents yeah they just looked like they were having a ball it was super super sweet to see them like that one last follow-up from me do you think george is aware of his destiny as future king i think he is now i think that's a conversation that definitely has happened and you know in 2016 william in an interview said that there would be a time and a place and they would sit down and tell him he was three at the time so um it hadn't happened at that point but I think it definitely has by now because we've seen him do quite a few engagements on his own you know he had certain things that he did with the late queen and prince philip and I think you know it's it's a fine line isn't it because they want to prepare him and they also don't want to terrify him so again it's taken that balance and also I think William found it quite traumatic when he just wasn't told when he was grown up that he was going to be king and they just everyone expected him to just know and that realization that dawning I think was um yeah quite troubling for him so he's definitely going to want to do things very differently for George. Now what can we expect from the monarchy in general post-coronation what are you most looking forward to we've had a bit of a lull after an eventful few years but maybe that's a good thing we're excited for what's ahead we want to hear your thoughts i'm mostly excited for a rest (laughs) 
been just it's been a lot yeah. um the royal so are we <laughs> we're in the royal beat right now is um it just seems yeah it's it's full on so um i don't know what's happening next i mean for me personally it'll be interesting i guess to see how charles and camilla you know make some changes maybe how they're going to sort of progress things and again i just think seeing these kids grow up the wells is i think they're just you know i love seeing stories of them i think it's really positive i think it's it brings people a lot of hope and joy and i think it'll be lovely to see how they grow up in the spotlight but also as as individual you know small people enjoying their their home in windsor and and all their wonderful hobbies and loving the countryside and yeah how they kind of develop into these these royal personas i think it's uh they are definitely the future and they look like they're having a great time so far so ones to watch yes absolutely absolutely well monique we're so so thrilled that you could take the time to be with us and we so enjoy following your work we're going to share that row rose you can keep up with monique's royal coverage on twitter at monique jessen and of course over on people.com slash royals Monique, I hope you'll come back again soon. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. And now, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows. My low is just this BBC presenter news that keeps bubbling up about Hugh Edwards. It's one of their most famous presenters. I know you'll recognize his voice, Rachel. It's a very sad and messy and public fall from grace. And I don't know, the whole thing, it's like there's a lot of sides to this story. And it's all... It's all very sad, and he's taking time away from the spotlight, his wife said, to recover at a hospital mental health facility. I just remember learning about the Queen's passing from him, and it feels like that moment is seared in my memory. Here's that clip. A few moments ago, Buckingham Palace announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The palace has just issued uh, this statement. It says the Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. Roberta, separate from Hugh, I still can't hear that statement without having chills. I I saw your reaction in real time. It makes me (laughs) want to cry, too. I wasn't prepared. (laughs) Was not prepared. We had a stretch of episodes where all we did was cry, I feel like. (laughs) I know. I was like, unintentionally cry. Whoops. Safe space. Yeah, totally. All right. My low is this sighting of Megan at the Montecito Farmer's Market. There's a lot of question marks about who took the pictures and sold them to the Daily Mail, it seems. But my low, I think, is just really her expression because she's just out to buy some pink flowers, maybe some tomatoes, summer. You know, she's with her dog. And it just, she's like, I see you taking photos of me. It's this sort of pursed lip smile. It just, I think, illuminates how difficult it is, the attention that they get consistently and there's no barrier to that also just the low 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 of posting the dog signage that no dogs are allowed and you and I talked a little bit about this offline but basically are dogs not allowed at farmer's market and it like did someone zero in on that sign I think it's just more of a effort to get those headlines that Megan is somehow breaking protocol which is insane there's apparently farmer's market protocol I had no idea I had no idea. And also, I think that there were comments from people that live in Montecito and go to this all the time that were like, we always bring our dogs. Yeah. (laughs) But 
Who it's would know? just it's just another way to kind of att- another knife to attack her with. Yes. So it's just it's very like even today I think I saw a headline about how will the um, Hollywood strikes affect Meghan and Harry's future careers? It's like there's always got to be that angle, an angle for the tabloid. So yeah, it's really unfortunate. I agree. Her face looked very like. I cannot even go out anywhere without being spotted. Yeah, so. I'm just going to like <sighs> grin and bear it. Or not grin, but just like I have to just bear it. I need to do my live my life. But ugh. yeah, totally. Oh, well, I'm glad that our handle doesn't share or reshare any of those photos for sure to encourage that. All right. My high on the flip side of that, I am delighted by this New York Times article about the Duchess pod. It's run by Emma, the Duchess of Rutland. I hadn't really heard about it before, maybe just like whisperings of it, or I think listeners, some listeners might have DM'd us a long, long time ago. But the article is so good. It's, it's a fascinating behind the scenes look on what it takes to run some of these grand estates. The Duchess gets all these ladies who own these massive houses together for book club, for tea, Countess Spencer included. I wow. thought that was really fun. Karen goes to these things. And Meghan Markle makes an appearance in the form of Andrew Morton's biography, which is out on the desk in one of the photos in the New York Times. It's a great look at this. But I learned so much. The Manor sisters are like these three sisters that are in their 20s and 30s that are described as the Crawley sisters from Downton Abbey, but naughty. And the UK Kardashians, that's the daughters of the Duchess of Rutland. So it's just really interesting. And I'm going to definitely take a listen to the Duchess pod, which is now being taken over by one of the daughters, the Manor sisters. So fun. What a great recommendation, Roberta. My hi, I'm just closing it out. I already talked about it, but Charlotte's sunglasses from Wimbledon. That for me was the absolute high of the week. (laughs) They are from Leo Sun Kids. They have bendable arms. They're polarized. Apparently, it's a small business started by a mom of two that she launched during COVID. They are eco. I just think in general, it was just this solidification of Charlotte the fashion plate. I like that someone said she has the attitude of Princess Anne, but the glamour of Princess Margaret. I thought that nailed it. Some of those moody faces with the sunglasses on Charlotte. Yes, yes. Just a reminder before we close, please, please, please leave us a royal review. We've had some great ones come in recently. Here's one from Rebecca. It says, I love listening to Rachel and Roberta each week. They present the perfect mix of fun and seriousness. I appreciate their attention to detail and fact checking. So very welcome and necessary. Keep up the great work, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So kind. We love what we do. More of these reviews, please, so we can continue reading them, shouting you out on the pod. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Send us an email info at gallerypodcast.com. And till next week, God God save save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.